Hey guys, welcome to the CP Junkie podcast, where we bring you interviews with dentists sharing their CPD stories and journeys from around Australia. What better way to learn than to follow those who've already done it before? CPD Junkie is Australia's most comprehensive CPD, so head over to cpdjunkie.com.au and become a member for free to access the full features of the site. I'm your host, Lawrence Doan, and today we are joined by Dr. David Bassel. He completed his dental degree at Griffith University in 2010, currently owns and operates Warnervale Dental and Minagra Dental and Implant Center. He is also co-founder of Austro-Asian Implant Academy and co-founder of the Australian Dental and Implant Group, now with 10 dental surgeries. He has dedicated his continuing education specifically in the fields of cosmetic smile makeovers and full mouth rehabilitation. Dr. David Bassel, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, mate. Thank you so much. So, tell us about your dental journey uh, to get to where you are today. So, um, yeah, graduated uh, from uh, Griffith University on the Gold Coast there. It was a good time. Um, came back to Sydney and um yeah I, I i worked in a number of practices all over sydney uh and in wollongong um the first job i landed was a job that i stayed in for about seven years and i owe wow. that to the mentor that i had um so yeah first it was actually the first interview i went to um and i, I guess it was just a perfect match and um you know that 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 practice uh, dr robbie semi he was he was my mentor for a for a very very long time obviously and uh i guess that's that's kind of where my um my dental journey all began i um i moved around so i, I did you know part-time work there and i moved around um spending maybe three four days at finesse dental and then a few other days at a couple other practices mainly for the sole pro- um you know the, the sole idea that i would find the area uh and the practice kind of atmosphere that would suit me mm-hmm. um and just experience kind of thing that's all it was so i i went through about seven or eight different practices at that time with that second job um and you know i i worked in a in wollongong uh, uh in like rural settings and things like that where i got a lot of volume yeah um that's kind of where i sped up uh and and i I learned how to use my hands the dexterity was there because the volume was there um Mm. i found that that was really important going outside of sydney um and and going to a practice with a high volume uh of patients because of i know it's a lot harder to find that kind of stuff today but yeah uh trying to move out of you know the uh i guess what they call the rat race and, and see if you can see as many patients as possible and if that means traveling an hour and a half well that's what i did um and from there basically you know about seven eight years in i thought it was time you know i opened up my own practice um Mm -hmm. i met a gentleman by the name of ned restham um in an implant course uh at the brenner course and you know we had a few conversations uh ned's uh well known in the dental society and he's he's opened up a few practices himself and so i got his his uh take on practice ownership um you know what's it look like you know the numbers showed him a few practices and and that's when he you know he propositioned me with with coming up to the central coast um Mm. and i haven't looked back since um we formed a group um recently the australian dental implant group um and at the moment 10 practices strong and 
I've opened two of the surgeries, Mingara Dental and Implant Centre and Warnervale Dental. Been running uh, Mingara for about a year now. Um, we're doing really well there in uh, Warnervale Dental for about four years. And uh, that, uh, yeah, that's pretty much brought me to today. Uh, a lot of ups and downs. And, you know, you take every every experience as a learning experience. And, uh, yeah, I wouldn't change a thing. So, uh, yeah, it's been great. So let's let's backtrack a little bit. So you, you obviously, when you decided to pick your practice, you decided to find somewhere that was away from um, the metropolitan um, of Sydney, um, and you wanted to find a practice that was quite busy, so you could get your hands wet, basically. So you mentioned um, was it Dr. Robbie Semi? Was it right? That's correct. Um, at Finesse Dental at the time, um, what did you kind of um, learn, and what you know? How did you choose your CPDs? So, so Robbie was actually the practice. Uh, he, he was the practice. He was in Stanhope Gardens, and he um, that was in Metropolitan Sydney. But that's where I learned kind of um, the intricate stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. I started off with some ortho, some quick ortho. Um, and if you know about in-man aligner and quick braces and things like that. Yeah. Um, so that's where I started. Um, and I did my first, you know, complex rehab there, like building up with crowns and composites and things like that. Um, and I did a lot of the more complex stuff there. However, I had another job uh, for a number of years where was outside of metropolitan Sydney, like you said. Mm-hmm. And that's where I saw the volume. Um, when I graduated, there was a lot of EPC patients. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, you, you just, you're seeing, you know, 10, 12, 15 patients a day as a graduate. Mm-hmm. Um, and nothing complex by any means. Uh, you know, the most complex thing I did was root canals, but the volume was there. And, and I guess that, you know, regurgitation and re- repetition, not sitting around and waiting for someone to come through the door. Yeah. Uh, that was so important. Um, so important to learn how to, you know, manage my time. Yeah. Um, obviously, the more you do, the more more mistakes you make. And mm-hmm. we all know that's the only way you learn, particularly as mm-hmm. a graduate. Um, and uh, funnily enough, you know, being outside of Sydney, I feel like the patient's a little bit more forgiving. Mm-hmm. Uh, so your, your patients that are in, in the... In, um, uh, I guess Wollongong is no longer considered rural, but when I was when I was there, is patients were a little bit more forgiving, a little bit easier to get through. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't have uh, time frames where they were, you know, I'm running late, hurry up and finish. As a mm-hmm. graduate, you know, you're a little bit slower. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if things went wrong, uh, we'd fix them, and there wouldn't be uh, any any problems. Um, yeah. I just want to come back to, um, so when you're working for um, Dr. Robbie, you mentioned you're learning about some ortho as well at the time. Yeah. Um, talk to me because he, he's, uh, he was going, with, he, he does a few things, right? I know he's like, is it he a KOL speaker for, um, was it implants yeah. as well? Yeah. Yeah. So, Rob, Rob, Robbie Semi's, um, I mean, he was a great mentor, particularly when it came to ortho. Um, mm-hmm. That was... Did you pick uh, like weekend courses? Um, how did you kind of pick them? Was he directing you to pick these or did you go and find it out yourself? Or? That's, that's pretty much what it was. Um, you know, just um, hanging off uh, kind of someone else's kind of uh, experience mm-hmm. um, as far as what courses to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, uh, look, I, I, I quickly found out that author wasn't for me. Um, mm-hmm. So even though I learned a lot from, from Robbie... Uh, and in that practice, I found that, you know, that's just not uh, what I was after. Mm-hmm. Um, and I quickly found out from making mistakes as well, 
mm-hmm. um, that you don't know what case not to touch until you've touched it sometimes. Yeah. Um, and in a world where you're learning from your mistakes, um, yeah, you want to try to avoid that as much as possible in dentistry. So um, kind of held back off that and, yeah. and kind of watched from afar after that and just kind of made my, made my way out of orthodontics and more into complex rehabilitation and, and, and occlusion um, as far as building up teeth and, and, and implants and stuff like that, which is- Yeah, cool. I want to ask as well, like, you know, with orthodontics at the time, so uh, you were doing these weekend courses that you're yeah. recommended by um, one of your mentors. Yeah. Um, I mean, and then you were progressing through it. Were you doing more orthodontic CPD as you were going? Some people would say, you know, they opted to do you know, a structured um, um, course a modular course to approach it was that something that crossed your mind or was you just started to feel like that wasn't where you wanted to go yeah look in hindsight um if you're going to do something do it properly um and so yeah i i, I learned very quickly that you know it's 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 like learning how to i guess doggy paddle and then jump into the ocean it's 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 not the right thing to do um yes. you become overwhelmed really quickly um and it's yeah, if you're going to do something, you need to do these longer courses and really take in all the information from the experts um, so that when you do come across a case, you enjoy it. Um, you're not overwhelmed. Um, you've learned all the right things and tips and tricks. And so, yeah, it becomes, you know, it becomes the actual orthodontics that you should be doing, not the stuff that you thought you should be doing. So, yeah, the weekend courses, I mean, I would, I would probably say, you know, maybe to get a little bit of an idea, it's okay. Mm-hmm. But if you really want to start treating cases like that, really, I mean, going into the whole, um, you know, things like Derek, Derek Mahoney's course, I've heard great things about that from a few of our associates and things like that. Those are the things that you want to be doing over a couple of years. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's how you felt after doing, um, going down that path. Is that right? Yeah. 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 And then you just felt like you just wasn't something that you wanted to do when you're um, tackling the cases and all of that. And that's why you didn't pursue it further. That's right. And it could be a matter of maybe if I did the, uh, the proper courses, I would have been in a different position, you know, maybe I would have uh, loved the author a little bit more, but um, I probably bit off more than I can chew. Um, look, I mean, at the end of the day, everything kind of went fine. I had a mentor that was behind my back, uh, mm-hmm. you know, helping me fix uh, any issues. Mm-hmm. Um, that may have arise. So everything ended well there, but um, yeah, it just, it kind of turned me off the whole thing. And so sure. I took a step back and, and thought, okay, well, if I'm going to look at doing something, let's, let's, let's do it properly. Let's get the yeah. hands-on experience. Um, yeah. Let's get the whole modular course like you, you're mentioning. Um, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much where I'm at when it comes to education now. Right. So that's how you kind of pursue uh, future um, CPDs that you've been doing. Yeah. So... Yeah. Um, yeah. So you. So he was also like, like I said, um, a KOL speaker for implants. Did that have any influence on you know um, how you pursued some of that aspect? I'm not sure if we're talking about the same Robbie now. I don't know if he's okay. an implant speaker. <laughs> That's okay. Um, so yeah, tell me about how you kind of progressed with your cosmetic um, smile makeovers. How did you build your CPD towards that, or was it more just you're doing it every day? It's actually more that I was doing it every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was more that, uh, and it particularly happened when I came up to the central coast, um, mm-hmm. so only my own practice obviously gave me a larger scope of, of patients. Mm-hmm. Um, so all the patients that came in saw me first pretty much as you were being the sole operator in a practice. And so 
you know, it just it just happened that way that I I took a liking to small makeovers and I eventually found that that's what gave me, I guess, the joy in dentistry that we're all kind of looking for uh, from our nine to five. Um, and, and I pursued that actively um, by attracting the right kind of patients. Um, it, you know, as a business owner, I take it from a different um, perspective. And that was kind of the marketing behind it to attract the patients and kind of create the, the image or persona of a practice that uh, really uh, deals with that kind of stuff more than anything kind of, um, yeah. So the makeovers, and they're just from experience, you know, using different companies, digital companies like DSD, uh, using certain labs, um, um, and then and then starting to do some online courses from there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's kind of how my makeover uh, specialty came in. Yeah, well, talk to me about these online um, courses that you're doing that you're starting to build. Because for a lot of graduates, you know, they're thinking, I'm doing these single uh, one cases or maybe like a, a bridge, something like that. And then it's how do they progress to that point where they do, you know, a full mouth rehab in, in your case? So I feel like, look, to be completely honest, I feel like DSDs, uh, they've got some really, really great uh, material. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's, that's what I, that's what I followed. Um, and it's pretty much once you do, particularly with the cosmetic stuff, maybe not the functional rehabilitation, but with the cosmetic stuff, we're talking about veneers and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I always tell my patients that, um, I get a perfect result every time when it comes to cosmetics mm-hmm. because they have, um, they have a say in it basically. So you're able to try a smile in um, and the patient has their say. And so I'm basically selling this as the perfect smile for the patient because the patient has chosen it. Um, and it's basically a cookie cutter when it comes to the cosmetic stuff. So their online courses um, really kind of broke down, you know, how you look at teeth and smiles together. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a very subjective thing. And so it's very hard to get that right. But when you factor in the fact the, the, the fact that a patient has something to do with that, well, then you can't get it wrong, right? Yeah. Um, so that's that's how that went, yeah. I mean, when we talk about DST, we're talking about, you know, a Dr. Chris um, Coachman. Yep. He kind of brought that in fairly recently. I mean, prior to that, I mean, are you saying that you were already taking photos, you were trying to wax up and with the technician and all of that? That's what you mean? And then now, you know, it's just termed the DSD, but um, that's what you're kind of already doing. That's, that's exactly right. Um, it it just streamlined everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um you know, the, the PDF files uh, that they sent through, uh, the breakdown of exactly what to do to every single tooth for pre and post uh, models and things like that. Um, and it's just the ease with which you can upload and download cases. It's just, it just became so much easier for me. And so... Um, so you were kind of already doing that, but DSD just yep. helped made it streamline. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Right photos every single time, the right angles, um, you know, having that camera set up in the practice and all the rest. Um, it just became, yeah, so easy. I mean, the, my dental assistants are now uh, taking photos, doing all the scans and uploading the cases now. So, um, yeah, super, super straightforward. Fair enough. So you also mentioned, you know, um, back in your early days, we were doing a lot of root canals. You had a couple of failures here and there. Did that compel you to do more root canal CPD or that just it was just, yeah? Yeah, definitely. Um, with the root canals, I, I found um a mentor in james whelan uh so there's endodontic specialists are the guys that you want to be talking to when it comes to this stuff sure. um yeah so I, I i ended up doing um 
a hell of a lot of emergency treatment. Um, mm -hmm. and I found a real liking to that. Mm -hmm. uh, getting patients out of pain, there's definitely some satisfaction to that, right? Um, yeah. And so I found myself doing more and more root canals. I snapped my fair share of files, obviously, we all do, and I, I've, I've sent them off to endodontists and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I found mentorship with a specialist was the way to go with that. There's always new materials, uh, bioceramic sealers, uh, the right kind of um, irrigation that you want to be using and things like that. And that's where I found, um, yeah, my education. Uh, just bouncing off cases from an endodontist and saying, is this worth treating? Is this worth, you know, going surgical uh, and referring off? Uh, so that's that's where, yeah, that, that happened. Mm, right. Um, so now talking about implants. So that's a big part of um, your, your what you do today. How did you kind of build yourself towards that? Yeah, so again, you know, moving up to the Central Coast, you know, the demographic up here is, um, you know, your veteran patients, they're a lot older, um, particularly in the suburbs that we've opened up. And so there's a lot of missing teeth, cracked amalgam teeth and things like that. Um, sure. The other thing is the need was quite high because there weren't many implant patients, uh, dentists here. Um, and I took, a, I took a liking to surgical. And again, you know, with uh, Dr. Ned Reston, we found that um, you know, Dr. Ned Reston does implants day in, day out. And I watched a lot of implant surgery with him. And so um, one by one, I mean, I started with guided surgery with uh, the DO brand uh, mm -hmm. and, you know, did my fair share of that. And then eventually got into the full art stuff, um, which I'm doing now in, under GA in, in Brisbane Water Private Hospital. Mm. Um, so... The way that began was at the Brenner Implant Institute. I mean, I had done some weekend courses and things like that. And mm -hmm. again, you know, but surgery is a different beast, right? You, mm -hmm. you don't want to be opening someone up unless you know what to do if something goes wrong. So I did the weekend courses, but never placed an implant. Yeah. Uh, didn't even restore one. You just never got that confidence and that backing to say, okay, well, let's do this, right? Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, well, what do I have to do? And um you know, on the guidance of, of Dr. Ned, uh, we found, you know, first of all, sorry, I went to the Brenner Implant Institute, which is a modular uh, course done over eight or nine weeks. And the thing that attracted me to that was the fact that you could bring in patients and do live surgery um, and in practice uh, with, you know, Dan Brenner by his side. Um, yeah. So that, that was good. Um, I felt like off a course like that, I probably didn't get enough hands on I wanted to do a little bit more. Came out, did a couple of implants, but um, probably not enough for me. Um, and so on the advice of, of Ned Reston, we found a course in the States um, by Dr. Louis Alfarage, um, who runs the Californian Implant Institute. And that's what that was my game changer. I think that was probably the biggest game changer as far as my career goes. And that was because that was an intensive week of placing implants. Mm -hmm. um, so you're off in Mexico. Mm -hmm. um, a beautiful part of the world and you know every single day for five days you're just popping implants into patients um so the day would usually start you know day one was a lecture day and then the day would usually start with case uh presentations and once um we've done the case presentations for every single case off you go there were eight it was an eight chair clinic um you and your partner uh would pair up with a patient obviously there were clinical tutors everywhere and we're banging implant, implants left, right, and center. And I, I placed, you know, 20, 30 implants in a week. Um, right. And that's, that's what you need to do, you know. That's, you know, mistakes happened, obviously, um, as far as, you know, 
correct, incorrect angulation, but everything was being ticked off. So you'll say, okay, well, I'm not going to make that mistake again. And you need to be able to do that over and over again to, to walk out of there, you know, with the, with the backbone to be able to, you know, take it back into your own private practice. Mm. Um, one of the biggest things um, as part of that course was um, an app called Novodontics. Mm-hmm. And this Novodontics app is a way by which you can reach out to a mentor so uh, you pay a small fee, uh, upload a case, upload all your, all, all your um, photos, reach out to the mentor of your choosing. There's a list to, to pick from and uh, they'll do a, uh, basically a 45 minute interview with you and basically plan the case out for you. So um, I think you know, I, I did that religiously and I, I told myself, you know, I'll, I'll probably do as many as I can in the first couple of years. And I got up to 50 cases with mentorship on, on implants. And mm-hmm. even if I knew like, okay, this is a simple case, it's a slam dunk in, implant. Um, there was always something that I'd learned. And so I dedicated myself to uploading every single case for the first 50 cases, literally. Um, I made that my goal and I learned a hell of a lot on cases that I didn't think I would ever learn. Um, so we're talking about, you know, the intricacies of soft tissue and, and things like that, that yeah. for a lot of dentists is probably the final frontier. You know, we, uh, we place the implants and then, okay, what do we do next? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they always say soft tissue is the issue. And that's where I learned a lot about that. And that's kind of where I'm trying to progress myself now is, you know, how do we, how do we work on that, that, that the intricacies of, of implant surgery, which is that soft tissue, because anyone can place it an implant in bone, but how do you make it work for a long time? Right. Yeah. And how did you come across this, um, the California Implant Institute? Because that's not um, commonly known around here in Australia. It was actually, yeah, Ned uh, had, had some friends over in the States and he's obviously uh, told me about it. Uh, the first course I did was a course called Trefoil. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's an outdated method these days, but it's three implants and a full arch on three implants. This has got to be a certain uh width and, and length of implant mm-hmm. um but you, you, i did about four cases of that and then after that when it did the full arch um so uh all on four or what we call heat teeth on implants mm-hmm. uh course um and you know with, with the prosthetic and everything uh so that was that was uh the next course i did and there was a few didactic uh, theory courses uh, over there right so so basically you started out with the weekend courses you felt like that wasn't quite enough um, and then, so that compelled you to do the Brenner Implant Institute course, and that kind of felt a lot more comfortable for yourself, um, build confidence for yourself because it allowed the live patient aspect so you could sure. start applying it. And then that progressed to the California Implant Institute where you could do a lot more high volume and feel a lot more comfortable in your skills. Um, and then, is that how, and then you were still doing single cases at that time, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Single cases, yeah. Yeah, and then from there, you said that from there to um, where you are now, you you transitioned through a phase where you were doing, you know, three and then four implants and arch. Is that how it kind of came along? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, a, a lot of the at the beginning, still after some of those courses was. Uh, particularly the Dan Brenner course was still guided implant surgery. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that, I mean, you don't place enough implants uh, in some of these courses, so it was still guided. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it wasn't until I did the freehand volume uh, in in the CII that uh, that really you know I came home and said okay let's do this. Yeah, yeah. And then from there, um, how did you progress towards the full mouth one? You were saying so. 
Yeah, so it was just a bunch of courses over there. So I was back and forth to Mexico, which, um, yeah, it was, you know, a lot of fun. So it was a subset of that um, yeah. Implant yeah, Institute. Yeah, so there's, there's right. several different courses that you do. Um, so there's actually a mastership course, which is um, 1,000 CE, um, a, a bunch of externships. So there was there was grafting and things, uh, right. advanced grafting courses, single implant placement, uh, full arch um implant placement all that kind of stuff so there's a full scope of works so it wasn't just one uh one week of, of implants yeah sure yeah i mean because you know for a lot of um graduates you know they're thinking there's so much content there's so much noise out there how do i decide to choose you know um your content um or the courses that you pick right because it's expensive it's not you know, when you're flying over for a weekend, you know, you've got the flights, you've got accommodation, you've got, you know, the course itself, you're taking time off work. Like, these are a lot of things to kind of consider. So how would you kind of frame it for them when you're... Yeah, look, this is, I mean, this is a segue into the AIA, I guess. I mean, this is what we identified. Um, mm. The Australasian Implant Academy is was born of that, you know, trying to travel overseas to get this stuff done. And like you said, accommodation and flights and all that kind of stuff is you know, just an extra burden, um, mm. time off work, obviously, uh, we've got to take that into consideration. So um, there was no course doing what the CII was doing uh, here in Australia. Um, mm. And so that's where the AIA was born. And it's basically a course that myself, Ned Reston, Dean Leisenbacher put together. Um, and what we're doing now is doing live extern uh, ships here in Australia and we're running them out of one of our dental, Mingara Dental and Implant Center um, and Avoca Beach Dental. Mm -hmm. So we are three or four different weeks, so three or four different subsets. So you've got um, single implants, uh, single and intermediate. Then you've got your advanced implants. So we're talking about um, cosmetic implants so in the anterior uh, region or we're talking about immediate implants. Um, maybe thinner ridges, more difficult um, implants. And then we've got the advanced bone grafting. So we're talking about, uh, you know, thickness grafts, block grafts, um, uh, sinus grafts, things like that. And then finally the full arch, which um, is actually being run out of general anesthetics at uh, Brisbane Water Private. So this right here is a course that will take you from your beginning of your implant journey to the, to the end. Um, you can do it all together. So you can opt in to have all the course uh, register for the entire course and do it all together. But like you said, it can be costly for a graduate. Mm -hmm. So the other option is to have uh, one week at a time. And obviously each week has its own didactic or theory program um, attached to it. So for a week, you're learning um, the theory and then you're going ahead and placing 16, uh, eight, sorry, you're placing around eight implants uh, per, per clinician and assisting with eight uh, implants to start with, then with the bone grafts, you know, two or three um, and assisting with two or three and, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, that's what you need. And it doesn't end there. The same way I had um, uh, Louis, Dr. Louis Alfarage sit on these phone calls, just like you and me are sitting uh, on Zoom, uh with an x-ray in front of us going through every single case and we went through like i said 50 cases we have the same kind of uh, mentorship that comes with our course uh in order to make sure that you know you're not going off and doing this by yourself there's always something that you can learn off even what you might think is the most simple case mm -hmm. uh so taking your hand after the fact in the real world is really really important i don't i don't think you can put a value on on, on having a mentor so mm. Mm. fair enough 
So, yeah, a lot of graduates are at that four, five-year mark. They start to contemplate, you know, practice ownership, being a specialist, being a super GP. Uh, can you share your thoughts on that? It's a tricky one, and I guess it's a very subjective uh, a very subjective thing. You know, uh, some people are good at business and some people just aren't made for it. Um, and, you know, some of the some clinicians are just better as clinicians. Um I mean, you got to think of dentistry as being married. And then once you have a practice, it's your baby. And it can complicate things. It can complicate things for the marriage and make it really, really difficult for you to do good dentistry um, when you've got this crying baby in the background all the time. So you've got to really think about, um, am I at the stage clinically to take on the extra stress of dealing with staff and running a business? That's, that's, that's probably the biggest question. Mm-hmm. Um, do I have the support structure, the right accountant, the right people are behind me to, to put me in the right place? Um, do I have a business mentor? That's super important. You know, there's, there's certain ins and outs of, of running a business and the intricacies of that that are, you know, too hard to, to learn in a course. Um, mm-hmm. and, and as, you know, things change, um, you know, government handouts change and things change like COVID. COVID's thrown a real curveball at us. How do you survive uh, these times um, as a business owner? So yeah. that's that's something that you really need to be prepared for. And look, you will learn it, but you definitely need your clinical skills up to date because the last thing you want to do is open up a practice and then refer everything out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where's the sense in that? Yeah. Um, so there's that. As far as... Um, yeah, I guess as far as um, opening a surgery, I think you need to be confident in your clinical skills um, and probably even at the stage where you're confident to help out an associate mm-hmm. because you want this practice to be open. You can't work every single day, so you're going to need someone there. Um, and who's who's that person and are you going to be there to support them as well? So I feel like in my, in my journey, um, seven, eight years into it, I had a good... Uh, I had a good eye for everything. And even though I opened up my own surgery, I was still working as an associate somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that was super important. That transition phase was super important. You're opening up a surgery, the income kind of drops a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, which can add to the stress. And so you want, that, yeah, <laughs> you want that second, you want that second source of income. And of course you want to be still attached to other dentists because it can be a really, really lonely, lonely time. Um, so that's 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 uh, my idea. That as far as being a super dentist, I'm not one, so I don't know about that. But <laughs> I guess you know some people uh, prefer to stay to the you know stick to studying and and and, and become specialists, and, and I admire that. Right. Yeah. So like you mentioned, so a lot of the things um, graduates need to consider is you know their partner, um, how it works within their own personal space, um, and you said setting yourself up for the right kind of the support network around you, whether it be because. A lot of graduates obviously don't have a business background, you know, they come out just as a clinician. And so what you set yourself is set yourself up with the business mentor. Um, and that, are you saying that from like the people that you've been interacting with from um, the jobs that you're at or um, did you look externally for these kind of people? Or? Look, um, I, I'm a firm believer if you, if you look, look hard enough and find it, you mm. know, um, and if, if you put your energy into something, it will come. Um, mm-hmm. And so when it, yeah, just dedicating yourself to opening up 
um, a practice and looking around and asking, I mean, for me, it was, you know, asking a guy that already owns six practices um, saying, okay, well, here's the, here's the numbers. Um, what do you think? Um, and that's kind of where I was given better direction. Mm. Um, we, we, we've now formed the Australian Dental and Implant Group, which is a new way of looking at dentistry as far as business ownership. Um, and this was born of that. I mean, you can run the practice as a really good clinical operator, or you can run it as uh, someone that's really business-minded. But doing both of them really well is very, very difficult. And so yeah. the Australian Dental and Implant Group is a group that we've formed where the clinical side is taken care taken care by, for example, the dentist, uh, the principal dentist, and and we now manage the practice uh, for the dentist. So they don't have to really worry about the marketing, um, the tax side of things, hiring staff, um, the HR nightmares that come with owning a business. Um, so that's, that's where we've, and, and we're growing at a, at a pace that really, um, I guess mirrors the success of what we're doing. Um, mm-hmm. so we've got a number of surgeries where principals, um, are running the practice exactly like they want. Um, mm-hmm. it's, you know, everyone has a dream of what their surgery is going to look like. Um, you know, uh, but at the end of the day, how to run it, most people don't have a, an ID. So that's where the Australian dental and implant group does come in. Um, sure. so that's our solution to that problem. Right. Yeah. Um, so just kind of, uh, reducing the amount of, um, all the, um, non-clinical side of things down. So you can focus on what you're passionate about, which is more clinical side of dentistry. Yeah. 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 Let's be honest. I mean, we could all be great, great dentists, but I mean, how many of us are going to be really good business owners or, you know, run a business properly? Like you said, we've got degrees in dentistry, not business. Mm. So um, I think we should be sticking to what we're good at and mm. um, dedicating ourselves and our time to that because there's a lot more power uh, in that and the return on investment in that is going to be a lot higher. Mm-hmm. And then handing off the stuff like running a business and hiring and hiring staff and things like that to someone else. Yeah. So I'm going to come back to CPD. Yeah, mate, you've done a fair few bit of the CPD. How do you get the most out of your CPD? Um, in the past, I didn't. In the mm-hmm. past, I was like, I'm just going to try this and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, these days, if I'm going to learn something, I've got a whole bunch of patients that are ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so the most important thing is practicing as soon as you get out of that class. Otherwise, it's gone with the wind, right? It's, it's, mm. And it's never coming back. And you kind of even, it gives you a false sense of like, I'm not good at this because you haven't done it. It's just, well, mm-hmm. I haven't done it. So I, um, the first thing I do when I pick a course is I've got the patience. And I think about my courses very, I mean, now as a business owner as well, I think about my course um, in a little bit more detail. I have a plan, so to speak, um, to improve my practice and improve my skills. Mm-hmm. So I see or I I'd identify things in um, or holes in my in, in, in my uh, clinical day to day or in my practice itself and say, OK, well, this is what I need next. Um, and these are the priorities. And I guess asking people, um, you know, friends that have done the course is obviously super important. We're always going to start with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and seeing how long the course has been around for and the people that teaching it and probably following them a little bit more closely before I go ahead and, and, and take that leap. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely coming out of it, I'm, I'm, I hit the ground running. Yeah. 
Yeah, so make sure you have some patients lined up um, if you're going to be planning on um, taking a particular CB to get the most out of it. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, for sure. So you I mean, even when you're, you're yeah. sitting in a course and you're like, okay, mm -hmm. well, I've, I've already assessed these patients and you're already, you know, drawing uh, yeah, yeah, your, your similarities between what you've seen uh, on this patient and now what you see in front of you uh, uh, in the course. Mm. So you've mentioned Dr. Ravi is you know, one of someone who's been pivotal in your career. Um, and why is that? And if there's anyone else, why is that? Look, um, I think, you know, your first uh, kind of uh, mentor out of uni is super important. I guess they can make or break you because, uh, look, uh, let's face it, at the end of the day, uni is great, but uh, everyday dentistry and, you know, dentistry and private practice particularly is a mm -hmm. lot different to what we were all taught at uni, or at least what I was taught at uni. Um, so... Yeah, I, that was that was why I guess I, I I got a good foundation of everything after you know you know in my first seven years. Um, but from then on, really growing and taking it to the next level, um, you know, I found a I found a good friend and mentor in 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 Ned Reston, and I um I think there's a lot of things that go with that um, as far as you know how to deal with the stresses of of dentistry is a big thing. Um, mm -hmm. You want to be learning from someone else's mistakes um, because like I said, in a world where, you know, you learn from your mistakes, it's probably best not to have that happen in your clinic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so if you have it, have it, have it, you know, learn from someone else that's done them, you're always, always better off. And um, someone that's, I guess, um, honest and um, very critical of themselves um, to say, okay, this is what I did and I messed up here or I did this here or uh, this didn't go right for me there and this is the way I, I fixed this problem or done this. Uh, that's that's exactly um, what I, I find or I admire in a, in a mentor. Um, so there was that that side of it. And, of course, the, the for me, uh, the, the surgical and clinical side of it, um, just someone that's well aligned with what I want from dentistry. So someone that has the same kind of uh, views or perspective of um, what their day-to-day -day would be. Mm. Yeah. So kind of aligning just, just, you know, so when you're talking about trying to find um, an early mentor, um, it's crucial that their philosophy aligns with what you hope your kind of philosophy should be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so talk about that mentoring. You know, a lot of graduates want mentoring. They interpret it differently. Some people like to be held by the hand. You know, some people like to be checked in once in a while. Some people just learn by observing. You know, what's your thoughts on recent graduates looking for mentoring? Yeah, you couldn't put a price on it. I mean, courses are, courses are great, um, but there's always questions after the fact. Um, and there's got to be someone that you can ask. So either the person that runs the course, um, you've got to be able to go back to these people because, you know, it, in writing, yeah, it's all well and good. And in a textbook, it all looks great. But, I mean, in the real world, these things sometimes just don't add up. Mm -hmm. So having someone to go by and case by case and building that armamentary where you've, you've done a few of these different cases um, and gone back and asked someone is, is super important. Now, as far as how you want to be mentored, I guess, to each their own. Um, mm -hmm. But the more you put in, the more you get out, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the more you're in touch with, um, with, with someone that's going to show you the ropes, it's definitely more that you're going to get out. So as far as being a fly on the wall, I think I'd probably invest myself a little bit more into, 
into uh, someone with a little bit more experience and, and kind of humble myself and, and, and really kind of follow that person if I want to be great like them, for example. Otherwise, you know, you'll end up just staying a fly on the wall. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And so, like you said, you know, learning from other people's mistakes. Talk about, you know, any struggles that you've had in your CPD uh, dental journey so far and some that some of our viewers might not know about. Uh, look, I mean, I guess I guess it was the ortho stuff at the beginning for me, you know, just maybe not. Uh, yeah, I didn't get into it as much as I probably should have um, mm-hmm. if I wanted to be doing that seriously. Uh, so... I guess, uh, but I learned my I learned my lesson early on. Um, I learned my lesson and and I I made some changes. So um, now if I'm now if I'm, I'm I'm into something, it's it's head first, dive all the way in, mm-hmm. uh, get everything I I can out of it before I make a judgment of whether I like this or not, mm-hmm. or before I make a judgment of whether I'm good at it or not, uh, mm-hmm. whether I suck or not. So um, yeah, I'm definitely um, even if I'm into something, you know, halfway and I'm thinking, oh, I don't know about this. I probably, I don't, I don't stop and quit halfway. I go the whole way through because mm-hmm. there might be something that might say, okay, oh, maybe I do like this. Um, so you've kind of, and look, there's plenty of time for it too, right? I mean, what's the longest course, a year, two years, three years? So what these, you know, we're all working for a long time. So, um, and after a while, you know, you get to 10 or 11 years and you've seen it all, you've done it all um, mm-hmm. most of the time. Um, if you're doing a lot of courses and so you've got the time just keep going yeah yeah fair enough so i mean you're saying that a lot of the times in terms of um difficulties it's um how best to kind of get through it is uh, just persevere to the end uh but make sure you've got that um kind of backing to make sure you you, you can get yourself out of those sticky situations um and then uh is is that what you're saying yeah 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 i mean look if you absolutely hate it i'm not saying to do anything you hate but uh you know if if i'm if i'm undecided on a particular um i guess facet of dentistry i'll I'll follow it through if i've 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 dedicated myself to a course and do it properly Mm -hmm. um you know do a do a longer course do a longer modular course and and then from there once I've once I've come out of that course with all that information, have the backing in order to avoid um, any issues as I embark on some new dentistry. Yeah, I think an interesting point you also pointed out was the fact that having that um, um, support network that you can kind of go back to. A lot of times, people do CPD and they kind of get this case that comes up, and you know they may not have that kind of uh, mentor that. Um, can support them but because they've done the course they feel like they're a little bit more ready but then obviously like you said there's a few challenges along the way but if the course provides that support then you can still uh, go back to them to kind of build on that and be a bit more comfortable so that is interesting yeah yeah so what's your current clinical um, ideal clinical day look like you know the type of procedures you might be getting up to um, so at the moment, my cl- current clinical day is um, uh, usually surgery in the morning or say a full arch of crowns. Um, so I, I tend to do my bigger cases in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the afternoons, um, some reviews. Um, so from after about lunch to halfway through the day, I do my reviews. And then I, at the end of the day, I, I leave that for consults. Um, 
a lot of the patients that come in for the bigger treatment and things like that are working. So it's easy for them to come off uh, and do the consults in the afternoon after work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it just makes, and then, you know, if they're booked in for treatment, they usually take the day off. So I go surgery or big crown cases. And then, yeah, that's pretty much how my day goes. Mm, yeah. And then you mentioned you, you also did some GA as well. Um, is that something that you want to introduce a little bit more or is that only for particular cases? Ah, uh, it's, that's a difficult question. I, I actually have this conversation with my patients all the time. I mean, GA is great uh, for surgery and things like that. When you get patients that know you do GA and they want to do a clean under general anesthetics, it's a nightmare. Mm. I mean, <laughs> I, I just can't justify it. But a lot of the time, I mean, what are you, what are you going to do? Um, some patients just uh, refuse to. I, I do in-house sedation with a uh, with an anesthetist, but some patients want to do uh, cleans under GA, believe it or not. And uh, wow. Uh, they refuse and, and sometimes you just got no one else to go to. So I've, I've done that mm-hmm. uh, for, I, I, look, my, my equipment at, at, at the practices, obviously both the practices are brand new. So, you know, the, the electric motors and things like that for crown preps and stuff like that, it takes me a couple of seconds. Whereas when I'm in, um, when I'm in theater, we've got this little dingy cart, which is, <laughs> which is a real pain to, to cut a crown with. I mean, it takes me about 10 times longer to do it. So I try to steer my patients off doing crowns and things like that as well. Yeah. Or feelings. I mean, oh, it's it's tough, but um, uh, the the surgery and and the full arch stuff uh, every day of the week. You know, mm. Having a patient asleep completely in a goma uh, mm. gives you a chance. I mean, when you're doing a full arch of surgery, sometimes these things can take you five or six hours. It's it's taxing, right? Mm. Um, so you want to be able to take a break halfway through and just you know just stop and take your gloves off. And usually, in in practice, if the patient was awake, they'd be like, "What the hell are you doing?" But mm-hmm. when they're asleep, it makes no difference to anyone. So it's yeah, that's that's been that's been really good because you've accounted for it. Yeah. So yeah. um, share with us what your ideal clinical or non clinical day might look like in five years time, and you know what kind of CPD do you want to do to kind of get to that point, or CPD that you might be interested in. Yeah. Look. Um, I can't wait for the borders to open. Obviously, there's a lot of courses that I want to do overseas. A few occlusion courses uh, that I'd like to do. I'd like to do some PICOS courses as well. Maybe um, I'm not that interested in doing zygomas, but I'd like to learn a little bit more about zygomas and implants like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, what kind of? Sorry, yeah, yeah, continue. And I just want to travel and do courses. There's something about it's something really fun about being overseas and doing a course with other dentists. Um, yeah, you know, for me, yes, it's a course, but it's still a holiday. So mm-hmm. it, it gives it that. Yeah, it's a lot more fun that way. Um, my typical clinical day, I hope in five years. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm pretty happy with what I'm doing at the moment. To be completely honest, I don't think I changed too much. Mm-hmm. I probably um, want to be mentoring a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so just helping my associates and working with associates and probably teaching them a little bit more if if I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and Maybe take a day off instead of working six days a week. <laughs> that's yeah, that's a lot. I mean, six days a week for you know for for you know what you're at this stage. You know, that's a lot of work. Um, so tell me about those occlusion courses that you were mentioning. What what um, courses are you thinking about? Uh, there's a fucking pan- the the panky course. There's a couple of courses um, in the states. I've, I've lost the name of the other one, but um, was it Coise or Spear? Coise, yeah, the Coise course. Um, but yeah, those are the courses that I'd I'd, I'd like to go over and, and and have a look at, mm-hmm. at doing. I mean, occlusion such a such a topic, right? I mean, everyone's mm-hmm. got their two cents about it, and yeah. I think 
I, I think I'm at the stage, I, like I love doing these courses. So I've, and, and like I said, I love traveling. So I've, if there's, that's an excuse, then I'll take it. So I'll probably will end up doing as many as I can um, and, and just formulating my own uh, opinion on these things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you have flying lessons too, right? You like to... F- yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, um, I'm, I was supposed to get my recreational pilot's license uh, just before COVID struck. Uh, so I've done about 60, 70 hours of flying and um, I was actually studying for my theory exam and uh, my final practical before I get my license. Um, and, and yeah, it, 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 COVID struck. So, and that's the second time it's done, done it to me, but um, there's a couple of planes that myself and uh, my partner own that are in the hangar, which I can't fly at the moment, which, which absolutely sucks. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, the time will come. <laughs> You'll have to find some time um, within your busy schedule, hey? Yeah. When COVID sounds um, post-COVID. Yeah. So um, just to wrap it all up, is there anything that you would like to, any words of wisdom you want to give to the young budding dentist that um, is looking to kind of follow your career path? Yeah, look, I mean, it's a, it can be a lonely job. Uh, so... You know, being, I, I find these WhatsApp groups, uh, I mean, you know, they're probably the best thing. You can't under, you can't underrate these, these groups. Being a part of a group with other dentists and talking about your cases is super important mm-hmm. um, because like it, it is a lonely and sometimes thankless job. Um, so being surrounded by other dentists is, is super important and constant communication is super important. Um, and you know trying trying things out because there's no right or wrong answer when you're learning right um so that's yeah that's 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 pretty much it and if anyone ever needs any guidance um, i'm here and they can they can definitely reach out um mm. we've i've got a i was always blessed with a, a really good just fell into a support network uh in whatever aspect i was i was in um, and I'd like to be a part of someone else's solution. So um, whether it be the Australian Dental and Implant Group or the Australasian Implant Academy, uh, learning how to place implants, you know, just reach out and, and I'd be more than happy to, to help guide. Hmm. So David Bassel, thank you for coming on the show today. Um, let the people know how they can reach you and, you know, what's kind of going on in your life. Um, how they can reach out to me through email. I can hand it over to you um, or on my... Um, on my uh, Instagram if you can just shoot me a message Dr. David Russell if you like this episode drop a comment below on your favorite part or leave a review don't forget to share it with your friends and we'll see you in the next episode of CP Junkie Podcast <laughs>